0: Hi there, and welcome back to Simply the Best Podiatry Show, where we want to pass on simple tips to enhance your best podiatry practice. I'm Jason Agosta, and thanks to all the guests so far, and to you all for tuning in. Today, I continue the Orthoses in Clinical Practice episodes, and I spoke to Matt Dillnott, who imparts great information and his approach to using orthoses. This is Matt Dillnott. So the idea was to get a few people to talk about their approach to the use of orthosis clinically and what are you using in your practice?
1: Over time, I feel like I see more and more examples in in other professions, and you go, my God, there's no evidence for that, and they're charging that much, and we're worried about charging for custom orthoses. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, I've become less concerned about the cost, and I suppose Mm -hmm. it's probably because where I use them now, I'm more confident in doing so, and I'm using them less often, but I feel confident when I do use them. Yes. so So, yeah, so that's probably where I come from. So it's an interesting chat, isn't
0: it? Because, uh, and I have said this a couple of times already about the best lecture I've heard on orthoses recently was from Arter from Footwork. Oh, yeah, let me tell you. Um, the yep, orthotic yep. lab. Yep. And there were hardly any podiatrists there. It wasn't like a practicing, practicing podiatrist presenting, but it was something that everyone should have heard. And it was an amazing presentation as far as the depth of understanding of orthoses, how to use them, how they work, and i loved it and I, and that's what this sort of sort of inspired me to think about okay what what's everyone else doing Like you know we can all learn from each yep. other so much just from being a little more vocal and if this yep. is a platform we can start on fantastic sure. this as i've said to you in the past this show is the people show but this is everyone's show to come on and and have everyone listen and speak as they please. I think everyone's
1: going to. to call it your show, though, Jason. <laughs> no, I don't see it like that at all.
0: I really don't. And, yeah. um, you know, it's more about a show for the profession. And I would love it when people come on and speak because I think it's a really, really good mm-hmm. avenue that they can sort of open up and get started with speaking about it and particularly yeah. on this topic of orthosis. Yeah, sure. So yep. If we can... If we can take one step forward with that, fantastic, yeah, and especially yeah. for the younger practitioners as well.
1: Yeah, I think perhaps one of the tricky parts for this is is knowing where to start because I think, as I've alluded Absolutely. to before in our previous conversation, you and I came from a different era, um, and so therefore we had a different challenge in front of us at that particular stage, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, that challenge being, uh, uh, can we learn r- root biomechanics, and and somehow deliver that in our practices. And we were looking at feet differently back then, weren't we? We That's were, you know, every foot that came in, you're trying to size up was it a valgus forefoot or a varus forefoot or a supinatus or a, you know, flexible forefoot valgus or whatever, <laughs> you know? And, and we just kept trying to guess as to what was the right thing to do based purely on the static posture or, or whatever of, yes. of the foot. And, and that would just lead you down a certain path. For managing everything. And as we've said in my past interviews, is that we, uh, we hadn't really embraced or understood and still don't really, I don't think we embrace it well enough in our, in the podiatry profession, the strengthening aspect. Um, so therefore we didn't have any other, other avenues for, for managing, uh, foot problems. Yeah. Um, and even the, and even shoes, you know, we've seen in, in our, in our era, we've seen the, the fully cushioned shoes right through to the fully, Um, structured shoe you know and and every moment of it we've believed that one thing is better than the other um uh, and and so we've seen everything everything i know
0: and then when the new things come along it's confusing and this is is is. where we are or at least we have been so confused with orthoses and how Mm -hmm. to use them and what's right or wrong
1: yeah Um,
0: and that's you know i I think You know, what you just alluded to there was that we did come out really confused about what to do. Mm. And we bumbled our way
1: along. And hopefully it's a little bit different these days, but I think it is. That's I what happened. Yeah. yeah. And I think and I think one of the parts of the history with that also meant that we then had students graduating who were then being told the evidence for custom orthosis is really poor. Mm. And they were as scared as <laughs> oh, no. anything uh to prescribe yeah. an orthotic. And I think and and I think you know there is some you know a reasonable reasons for, for for saying that to students because you could argue that podiatry is probably in a in a position where it may perhaps is over prescribing custom orthosis. We need mm-hmm. to rein it in a little bit. And we've got to try and find that that happy balance between the two. Um, and that's and that hasn't been an easy thing as 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 we've discussed because we've had to wait for the research to evolve and develop. And then we've got to take that research and know how to apply it. Um, and it takes a while for us to reconcile all of those different aspects of root biomechanics and how do I use this for this particular type of condition? Um, and that's and that's that's challenging when you don't Absolutely. have a recipe book, you know. But so yeah. Just
0: on that note about
1: evidence though, I
0: mean if we the evidence is still there. The evidence is there, but it's there's so much inconclusive literature
1: yeah but i think i think i tend to focus on the things that have been shown relatively repetitively i suppose mm. so the things that the common themes um that that have for the last probably 30 years themes have emerged and mm. i feel pretty comfortable with those themes now um i think I particularly focus on the decreased velocity aspect of, of orthotics. That with the ability of an orthotic to decrease the velocity of movement and therefore the loading of tissues is one of my probably sure. my one of my favorite ones. Um we know that orthoses do decrease the range of pronation um, um in most circumstances. And again, this is a tricky thing to state because we want we want a one size fits all statement for every single foot. And so it's like saying uh, all shoes do this to a foot. And you go, well, it depends on the shoe. You know, yeah. it depends on the custom orthotic and the way the orthotics prescribed is going to that plus the foot itself is going to change the end result. Mm. So we've seen those those studies in the past where they say, we used an orthotic and no one changed. And you say, well, what was the orthotic that you used? Or what no. was the type of foot that you actually applied it to? So we've got all these. And then so someone says, oh, look, orthotics do nothing. But you think that no, the study methodology wasn't particularly good. And so when you start to filter out the rubbish and you start to look towards the good studies, I, I think you do see that consistent thing of decrease. Velocity, decreased range of pronation in certain foot types, you get decreased internal tibia rotation in certain foot types, you get improved shock absorbency, um, you get decreased stress on certain foot and ankle musculature. So there's we get these repetitive patterns happening all the time. Sure. And I feel pretty comfortable with that. I think the wrong thing though is to grasp
0: those things and assume that is so um, applicable to everybody. And I must. You know, mm. trying try to slow motion down or change the range in everybody for every single problem. Absolutely. I think that's where, exactly. I think that's where people are falling into trouble. Absolutely. Assuming that everyone needs this everyone know, device needs or exactly. be that's hit right. with the same, you know, style mm. of device or level of support or whatever. I think that's a really big problem because it is oh. quite confusing some of the literature. As oh, said, absolutely. There's, there's heaps of junk. Once yep. you decipher through it, sure, there might be things that come in consistently, but mm. there's a lot that's actually been you know quite
1: poor and inconclusive. Yeah, absolutely. And I, think, and I think ultimately it comes down to we're, we're experts in load management. Mm. Uh, and so with your, all of your biomechanical skills, you need to look at what are the tissues I'm trying to unload? It's the tissue stress model. Uh, what are the tissues I'm trying to unload? What's the, going to be the best orthotic to try and unload that? Based on my my the best of my knowledge, and what other things can I do around that orthotic? Don't put all of your eggs in the basket of yeah. the orthotic. It's it's all of the other stuff we've spoken about before. It's the mm. changing loading patterns. It's the changing running training drills or whatever it may be um, that's going to assist it. So you're not just relying on that orthotic to sure. do all the work for you. Um, yeah, so, and, and that's well, been the other big explain- shift for us.
0: Sorry, I was just going to say, Gus McSwain, who was on the show as well, he just mentioned exactly the same approach as well, mm. or the same ideology. Yeah. Can I ask you clinically, what are you, I mean, you've just touched on this, but in simple terms, what is your sort of ideology or sort of philosophy of the use of devices? Mm. Um, mm. Like when and why, and what are you using?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, look. Basically, I would say that um, first of all, then my use of custom authorities has probably dropped from year to year to year. Um, so Why? I don't, um I think because my load management strategies have improved. Mm. so therefore, patient comes in with heel pain, I can look towards uh, walking modification, shoe modification, stretching modification, strengthening modification, all these other aspects. And whereas at the very beginning, plantar fasciitis oh we need to support the arch more to reduce the pressure on the plantar fascia now it's like oh that's way down the track for me and i've found that over time it's just wow i can manage plantar fasciitis without an orthotic or and it's not to say i never use an orthotic for plantar fasciitis don't get me wrong there are still situations where i'll use it but um it's not straight to a custom orthotic for the plantar yeah. fasciitis. Yes. And the same with, with shin splints, it's shame, same for for knee pains and all sorts of other things. Yeah, so one There's, part
0: of the whole, like, you know,
1: I suppose exactly, treatment plan, as we've been Exactly, that's right. And I think that's another evolution of our our thinking is that before it was very early on in the plan and now it's, it's a bit further down the track. Um, so I would fully evaluate a patient as far as at the beginning of, what has what has changed? I've spoken about that before. What has changed, and therefore what's led to this particular event occurring in their life, um, and then modifying some of those changes if we can. I would, if I do reach that point where I do consider an orthotic to be useful, it's a reasonable chance it's going to be a relatively minimal intervention. Like an over the counter device is going to be a softy sort of thing, sort of minimal stuff. And it's a bit of a test of the water. It's a test of the water yeah, for the patients. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm and the same. If, I'm exactly the same. I it's, get it's, it. It's a, it's a cheap intervention. Um, is no this patient... our generation,
0: do you think? <laughs> so we bumbled our way through, came out the other end, and this is where we're
1: at, like approaching yeah, I this so.
0: really conservatively?
1: Uh, I don't think it's conservative. A... I think it's because we actually, we actually um, probably have reasonable faith in the off-the-shelf device now. Mm. I, don't, I don't think I look at the off-the-shelf device as being uh, a, a completely inferior product. I often say to patients, if this is good enough for what you need, it's good enough. It's not going to... If you're pain-free with this cheap off-the-shelf device, then you can't be more pain-free having a yeah. customer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so if the patient has that off-the-shelf device has a successful outcome and then it wears out in three months and then their pain comes back and clearly they're showing that repetition that once the device is not working anymore you go well look let's look towards a more permanent situation here and a custom orthotic is going to be more useful and we all know the thing with fitting into shoes with off-the-shelf devices quite often a bit bulkier or whatever and so therefore you can get some pretty slim you know um nylon devices and 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 carbon fiber devices and so forth. So they fit into shoes. And if someone's going to be wearing those things for a long time, um, that's that's going to be more appropriate. Um, so I, I think we we filter out our patients just more effectively these days. Mm-hmm. Once we go through these processes of load management and strengthening and stretching and so forth, um, very few of them get to that end result of a custom orthotic now in comparison oh. to what it was. Yeah. Sure. So so what are you actually using? the actual brand names of, of 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 things. We're talking brand names. Brand, or... brand names, <laughs> this materials, yeah, like whatever. I, I have to say. Looking... People want to know, especially yeah, young people. Cool. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. Look, I, I, I tend to use Slim Flex softies a fair bit mm. for just like a gentle bit of arch support for someone, um, especially if they're older. It's not going to irritate anything. Um, it's just going to create a nice little bit of stability for the foot. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit of a test of the water sort of thing. Um, stepping up from that might go to exactly the same thing, a slim flex device with a, a firmer material. Um, it's a medium density, um, gives a little bit more life. Someone who's younger is going to work for a bit longer. And then I move up to a foam thotic, um, and it's not always this this case. Sometimes I make it direct, directly to a foam thotic, mm. um, and I tend to use the dual density ones. And I like the the full length bits because I can add pads to them and and just add EVA bits and pieces yeah. to them. You can wedge them in the rear foot, you can wedge them in the in the, in the mid foot. You can do all sorts of stuff with them. So it's just a nice little platform, the base. good it's base, a base for you. Absolutely, yeah. exactly. Mm. Um, and and then from there, it's going to be the custom orthotic for uh, certain patients. And, the, and some of those might be because you want to have that morons extension, which you just can't get with other things, or it might be because you want to have more rear foot support or whatever it sure. may be that you can't get. So mm-hmm. that that tends to be my, my sort of uh, mm. philosophy or uh, approach.
0: Polypropylene or the nylon devices for your customs? Um, what would you
1: sort of would you just
0: vary it up a bit depending on the situation? Yeah,
1: I would say, as a general rule of thumb, I would almost always go for um, uh, carbon or you know that sort of laminate stuff. Um, so it's plastic, carbon, or Nylon devices, basically. Yeah. Those are my sort of polycarbons and polycarbons, polycarbons and um and um and and the nylons are those are the yeah. two that I would I would go sure. to. Yeah. So it's interesting, isn't it? Uh thinking about
0: where we're at over time, where we started and our, the little journey over, you know, 30, 35 years and how that approach has become maybe a little well, not focused, but a little more conservative in the use of orthoses in mm. the in the yeah. uh the preforms being a you know a lot more sort of readily used in our rooms. Yeah,
1: but I think if you reflect on where we started from, I think there was uh, we looked down our noses on prefabs. And first first of all, there wasn't a lot of prefabs when we first started. Um and then and we were so sold on the whole need for a custom orthotic when when we graduated. I thought we it was couldn't the only thought it was I thought the, it only, was the only way to go. Exactly. So you wouldn't entertain. Uh, an off-the-shelf device. And then I think once the tissue load model, tissue stress model started to come along, we started to then believe actually we could probably just reduce loads by using an off-the-shelf device. Sure. Um and I think we we had then had comfort in, in what we were doing. Um, and I think as the root model started to disappear and we didn't we'd realise, hey, you basically reduce the amount of pronation or whatever it may be, supination, uh, we can do this with an off-the-shelf device pretty well. Yes. Uh, you know, and I think as we've gone on, we also realize you can do simple things. That They've just found that, you know, just doing a rear foot post without the orthotic is a pretty good job of uh, controlling internal rotation of the tibia. So you don't need the whole box and dice of a... um of of arch support for some people, you you just need to do some sort of uh, valgus wedging, like they've used with knee pain, for example. You know, medial knee pain. Uh, they've just used valgus wedging in the forefoot. Yeah, um, you, yeah, you don't need the the whole shebang for that. Mm. Um, so, I think um, I, I think there's there's some good good enough science out there now to to say that just the the old fashioned custom orthotic is is not. Uh, uh, not the be-all and end-all that it used
0: to be. I think what you're saying and reiterating from what I've said earlier is we know that small changes have a massive effect. Mm. You only mm. need to intervene mildly. Mm. So if you think about walking thousands of steps per day, one and a half times your body weight, then think about running. Absolutely. What is it, a thousand steps per kilometre? Yeah.
1: Something like That's that. Right. So yeah.
0: go and run ten k. There's your ten thousand steps at two mm. to three times your body weight. You only need to change things the smallest degree, yeah. And 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 conversely, you can also do too much ever so slightly to get a negative effect. But if you intervene so conservatively, my thought is with the loads being so high and repetitive, that has to have an effect on your low limb. Oh, and absolutely. I think that's where we're at. And if you oh, think absolutely. about, think back to when we started, when you know the molded polypropylene, you know the big six it's or seven. Like inverted, six or seven mil rigid poly device <laughs> was the only way to go. And what we yeah. did know from some of the evidence that just increased impact through the exactly. lower limb. We know absolutely. that they're still being used readily, yeah. and yeah. Uh, it was like, "Oh my god, we're so far away from that now." Thankfully. Yep. Yep. Um, and I think that's the one of the points you're making here. Yeah. Can absolutely. I also bring in and link this up to episode seven of this series with Anya Verena Belling with John Osborne interviewed? Um, so episode seven, she's a biomechanist and works with Ben Nig's lab in Calgary. Oh, yeah. yep. And she was very, very clear about it, just doesn't suit us to have a rigid locked foot we need to maintain mm. movement and that yep. is crucial for obviously adaption um impact all sorts of things that's oh. worth going back and having a listen to as well
1: yeah I, I think so and it was there was a really good paper published um and people don't seem to have talked about this much um this is by um fellow potopapas in clinical biomechanics in 2020, um, he did an interesting study. It gave people custom orthotics for 12 weeks and looked at the effect on the size of the muscles. He looked at particularly abductor hallucis and flexor digitorum brevis. Yeah. And that particular study, I think, the end result was something like um, abductor hallucis decreased in size by 17%, and flexor digitorum brevis by 10% in 12 weeks. Um, and of using was, devices. Of using a custom orthotic. Right. Now, I think the orthotics that they were prescribing were actually quite high arch, and I think the higher arch, the more stiff they are, you actually end up getting more atrophy of tissues. You're splinting and this, the foot. Splinting the foot. That's right. And there was another paper also. Um, it was McClinton in JOSPT. Um, he showed that people who had heel pain who wore orthoses had Um, weaker toe strength Um, so essentially complete sensor yeah it it does does make sense it doesn't like yeah, yeah that's right so and i think going back to your previous point about stiff orthotics one of the things i think i noticed very early on was that when people were say landing with a a medial heel strike, which is probably not a great place to strike the ground on the medial side of your calc, when you put them into a rigid device, it actually caused them to start striking laterally. Mm. And I you may have observed this, and we all just thought it was all just because of, you know, reducing pronation, whatever. But I, I strongly believe that when you splint the foot, it has to invert the foot more before it strikes the ground to try and regain some of the shock absorbency. So it's actually inverting the foot in response to that stiffness that it's experiencing to say, hey, I need to have space for shock absorbency. So I'm going to strike the ground more laterally on the heel. So I've got that room. So you start to find I've got room
0: to move centrally. That's right. Instead of across the midline. Yeah, I get you.
1: Yes. And so you start to fire TID post. More earlier mm. on. So you have to invert the foot more. And I think this is where Luke Kelly's stuff comes into it because he was showing that orthotics increase muscle activity. And I think it was particularly in the extrinsics because they have to adapt to that increased stiffness by adjusting foot mechanics prior to heel strike to retain that, that shock absorbency aspect. But when it comes to the intrinsics, when you splint the foot, you're actually taking load away. From those intrinsics and they will atrophy. And I have seen those feet for, who are wearing orthotics for 20, 30 years with really those old fashioned, stiff, high arch, and they're completely dependent on them. I said, so I tried to go without my orthotics for two days, my feet killed me yeah. because their muscles have atrophied. They like, could not cope. Exactly. They can't cope. And, and you can see these patients who've got their abductor halysis has completely disappeared. It's just nothing. So, mm. and I think. Again, that probably gives us support for having a device that's more flexible because it helps to maintain some load on those tissues. It's still reducing that reducing that velocity of movement, but it's actually not taking away all the load on those tissues. So you're going to maintain your muscle bulk. That's it. Exactly. And
0: well, you've um you've gone through that in the last few episodes as well, as far as strengthening and how important that is. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I get that, get that. It's so good. I've been doing my strengthening too, Matt. Trust me. <laughs> Hey I think uh it's really I'd love that um that sort of overview of the journey of like starting where we were and then where we are now and you know the yeah. philosophies behind it um, yeah. in maintaining movement really is what you're saying we need to maintain Absolutely. movement to maintain muscular control
1: that's oh, crucial and it's funny you actually you you mentioned that because i remember when i first met tom on the show and uh and he said as You seem to be trying to make stop all of the joints from moving. As chiropractors, we're always trying to make joints move more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's
0: exactly what I was saying about that um, episode seven. That's all about maintaining movement. We don't want to lock anything. No, exactly. That's right. Yep, yep. So over time, great differences in approach. Hey, I really appreciate your time coming back on. It's great. And, uh, but once again, I really appreciate your input. Always amazing depth of knowledge, Matt. I've learned that much from you. Oh my God, my strengthening.
1: (laughs) Great to be on, Jason.
0: I have to say this while people are listening. The strengthening is absolutely amazing. And I didn't realize how weak I was when I had my toes extended doing that uh, valet. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah valet
1: maneuver. maneuver. But I'm sitting
0: in the chair now with my toes extended underneath me and there's even an effect I can feel when I push my toes down into the there ground. You go.
1: There you go. Standing
0: there and leaning forward, pushing my toes into the ground with my heel raised. It's so mm. easy to do consistently. Oh, it is. It's so it is. so much a winner and such a big thing. So I really appreciate you passing it on to me and oh, everybody beautiful. else. Hey, the Billy Idol of Podiatry. <laughs> love you coming on the show. Thanks, Thanks Jason. Me. Good on Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Speak soon. Thanks for tuning in to Simply the Best Podiatry. I hope this episode was helpful and informative. More details in the show notes. We can follow and support this show. You can also follow us on Instagram at Simply the Best Podiatry. These orthoses episodes are sponsored by Genie Orthoses. More information can be found on the webpage, the Genie. T-H-E-G-E-N-I-E dot A-U Thegenie dot A-U Thanks for listening and I'll be with you again soon.